Why are general aviation accidents and incidents in the UK on the rise? That's the question I'm asking in today's Pilot Briefing podcast. Hello and welcome to the Flying Reporter Pilot Briefing podcast, helping you to stay on top of the news and regulation changes in general aviation in the UK. I and my advisors read all the lengthy documents and updates coming out of the CAA and other aviation bodies and then bring you the most important information. Today we take a look at the latest summary from the CAA which shows a troubling trend for general aviation flight safety. Also air proxies have been on the rise with many of them taking place during the arrival phase of flight. And do you know what's the biggest cause of pilot in-flight impairment? I'll reveal all shortly. The Flying Reporter Pilot Briefing podcast is brought to you in association with Astral Aviation Consulting. Astral is the CAA's provider of safety material to GA pilots. Check out their website for tools, workshops and videos to help make your flying safer. And this episode is sponsored by AOPA UK, the leading membership association for pilots and aircraft owners. Every year, the CAA publishes its annual safety review, looking at incidents and accidents in civil aviation in the UK. Their review of data from 2022 has just been published, and it shows that reported accidents and serious incidents in GA flying in the UK has continued to rise steadily since the COVID pandemic. And even though the number of general aviation flying hours is still down 14% on what they were before the pandemic, the combined number of accidents and serious incidents is on a par with 2019 figures, suggesting that per flying hour, the rate of accident and incident is higher than in the years before the pandemic. So going into a bit more detail on this then, the CAA estimates that there were 700,000 hours logged in UK registered general aviation aircraft in 2022. In the years before the pandemic, the figure was roughly on average 800,000 hours. Last year, there were 221 reportable accidents and serious incidents in GA. Eight of those accidents resulted in 11 fatalities. 18 accidents resulted in serious injuries. So as well as accidents and incidents increasing, there were more fatalities and serious injuries in GA in 2022 in the UK than the year before it. Not a trend to be happy about, I'm sure you'll agree. But while in general aviation the number of accidents and incidents has risen in 2022, it was a different picture in the commercial air transport world. Year on year in commercial air transport, 2022 saw a drop of 33% in accident and serious incidents. So what's the reason for GA bucking that trend? Why are reported accidents and incidents on the rise? Well, I'm afraid the CAA doesn't offer a direct answer to that question in its safety review, but it does offer some clues. The review states that most of the GA accidents and incidents in 2022 involved aeroplanes and were mostly attributed to collisions with obstacles such as trees, hedges and fences. And this was as a result of hard or heavy landings or landing long or too fast. The review says that statistically more microlight aircraft were involved in serious injury accidents compared with other aircraft classes. 
So what can we all take away from this? To be honest, the data that the CAA has published this year and that it published last year is a bit thin compared with their safety reviews from years before that. And so there is a danger here of us looking at these numbers and making statistically inaccurate assumptions and correlations. But from what the CAA is telling us, landing accidents seem to be a big area of concern. And landing, of course, is arguably the most demanding aspect of flying. So do we have here a lack of pilot proficiency and recency? Um, why were fewer flying hours logged in 2022? Is it because people have given up flying since the pandemic? Or is it because it's become too expensive? We know the cost of avgas and maintenance and insurance and everything else seems to be going through the roof at the moment. If people are flying less, are they flying enough to maintain their skill level? Uh, unlike the commercial air transport world, GA uh, pilots are largely solely responsible for managing their own recency and proficiency. Commercial air transport pilots will have to undertake regular simulator training checks and also keep their recency up to date in order to carry passengers. Many GA pilots offer fly alone and they could probably go up to two years without flying at all and still be technically legal to fly. I know I flew more hours in 2022 than any year before it, a busy year for me, but what about you? Are you flying enough to maintain your proficiency? When you get in the plane, are you feeling comfortable, confident and proficient? And are you making use of your biennial flight with an instructor to keep the most important skills fresh? Since landing seems to be the issue, according to these figures, perhaps a session on circuits with an instructor might be in order. We're approaching the bad weather season. Strong winds, crosswinds, wet runways, ice, all increases the risks of a landing accident. Are you paying enough attention to these risks? Maybe now it's time to revise some of those things. Actually, last week I volunteered to undertake a really intensive session with an instructor. I didn't need to. I logged plenty of hours this, this last year and I'd already revalidated my SEP rating in the summer, passed my instrument reval test uh, just last month. The reason why I took this intensive uh, hour and a half it was with an instructor was because I was conscious that, you know, I've been practicing lots of advanced things, instrument flying, so on and so forth. I haven't really been practicing the core skills, the safety skills, stalls, forced landings, diversions, glide approaches and so on. Um, Any time that I've had with instructors, it's been on, you know, bigger things really. One of the other reasons I hadn't practiced these core skills was to do with concerns for my aeroplane's engine. If you've been following me, you'll know that India Victor, my Piper Arrows engine, was partially overhauled just, a, just under a year ago. And I didn't want to subject it to the stresses of glide approaches or other engine off, engine idle routines like stalls, glide approaches and so on. And uh, before the overhaul, there was a time when I practiced a forced landing and on the recovery, the engine spluttered really badly. I think I made a video about it. I had a loss of power, a sh- shaking airframe, um, smoke coming out of the exhaust, and it really shook me up, really shook me up, uh, and affected my confidence such that I hadn't been doing force landings, haven't been wanting to do force landings, because I wasn't sure I could trust the engine. Uh, so I reached this realisation last week that I'd actually been avoiding it. Uh, and I, when it comes to it, it is probably one of the most important skills that a pilot can learn um, that could save their life and their passengers' lives uh, one day. Well, the engine is well and truly run in now. It's done 120 odd hours since the overhaul. So I couldn't use that excuse any longer <laughs> to not do it. Um, and, 
you know, it's, it's all been sorted. The engine's running fine now. It's not going to splutter, you know, and I just needed to do it to build that confidence. So as part of the session last week, I did PFLs, glide approaches and stalls. And I actually came away from that session feeling a real boost in my confidence. In fact, I didn't feel vulnerable sitting with an instructor doing these things. Um, I felt confidence growing in my ability, but also in my aeroplane again. I was putting the aeroplane through the PFLs and it didn't uh, falter, didn't stutter. Um, so... Yeah, I, I also came away, actually. Do you know what? My stalls were pretty bad, the way I was recovering from the stalls. Um, I haven't done... I don't think I've done any stalls in the aeroplane I currently fly, which is which is odd. Um, and, uh, yeah, wasn't recovering from them quite well enough. And, and so the session was good for me in that respect. So I'm saying this not to tell you what to do. I'm not saying, right, go and fly with an instructor. For all I know, you've, got, you've done 500,000 hours this year. You won't need it. I'm not saying that, um, but perhaps maybe it's time to have a think about how long it's been since you last practiced some of the core skills, like the ones I've just been practicing. Uh, take flapless landings, for example. I know I haven't flown a flapless landing in ages. Um, the airfields that I commonly fly to are really too short for this. Um, you know, I, I can't have confidence that I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to have enough landing distance. So next time I fly somewhere with a long runway, and I do from time to time, I really need to remember, right, John, you've got to do a flapless approach. So hopefully that's all good food for thought. And maybe we should all be, perhaps in light of the CAA figures on landing accidents, be refocusing our attention on improving our landings to try and reverse this worrying trend. So accidents and incidents have been on the rise, but so have air proxies, it seems. We'll look at that next and we'll find out what's the biggest cause of pilot in-flight impairment. This episode of the Flying Reporter Pilot Briefing Podcast is sponsored by AOPA UK. We've been talking about pilot skills and proficiency here today, and I just want to make you aware of a scheme that AOPA runs, which can help motivate you to improve your skills and expand your experience. The AOPA Wings Award scheme recognises both AOPA and non-AOPA members for their skills, training and experience, and is a structured way to invest in your growth as a pilot. There are four awards, bronze, silver, gold and platinum, and the scheme is endorsed by the CAA. You get points for qualifications and training that you undertake, the hours you fly and the flying experience you gain. It's all designed to make us safer pilots, but also to motivate us to try something new and keep uh, improving our skills. Wings awards are free for AOPA UK members, another reason to be a member. £10 for non-members. I'm an AOPA member because I value the work they do behind the scenes promoting flight safety and protecting our rights and freedoms. They also help pilots keep up to date with changing regulation and rules with their regular email newsletters. They're there should you get into any bother with the regulator. Right now, Flying Reporter followers can get a 25% discount on new one or two year AOPA UK memberships. To apply for your discount, click the link that's in the video description and also in the show notes. And if you're watching this on video, it should be on the screen as well. Uh, you'll also find the link on the Flying Reporter website. So lots of flight safety issues in today's podcast. We've already talked about accidents and serious incidents. Now we're talking air proxies or near misses. 
between aircraft. Each month, the UK Airprox Board, which investigates aircraft near misses, publishes an update focusing on common themes. The board says that in the first half of 2023, the number of reported Airprox has been significantly higher than in the same period in 2022. Uh, it's to some extent says that could be down to weather, but it's still not a good thing. Its analysis of the causes of air proxies this summer suggests that quite a number are occurring in the arrival phase of flight. There seems to be a theme with today's podcast, flight safety and specifically arrivals and landings. The Airprox board points to one example of an Airprox of two aircraft coming into conflict with each other in the overhead at Slape Airfield in February this year. The Airprox board found that one of the pilots flying a PA-28 had executed an incorrect join to the circuit. Slape has different circuit directions at weekends to those during the week. And the pilot of the PA-28 appeared to begin their join from the wrong direction initially, according to the Airprox report. There was a very late sighting by the pilot of the other aircraft, a Robin, but a collision was nonetheless narrowly averted. What's interesting is both aircraft were carrying electronic conspicuity devices. However, neither pilot reported that they'd seen any alerts to the conflicting traffic. One of the air aircraft was carrying a Sky Echo, the other a pilot aware. And as we know, while pilot aware devices should be able to detect aircraft carrying a Sky Echo, pilots carrying a Sky Echo cannot detect aircraft carrying pilot aware devices. In its monthly summary, the director of the Airprox board says that they often see Airproxes occurring in the transition from en route to arrival or from arrival to integration into the circuit. And they emphasise the need for pilots to have checked the airfield's AIP entry if it has one as part of the pre-flight prep pro uh, process. The Airprox might not have occurred had the PA-28 pilot entered the overhead had they uh, done their research and, and noted the different direction at weekends and they turned in the right direction in the first place. As I mentioned there, neither pilot detected the opposing aircraft on their electronic conspicuity devices and there is some incompatibility between the two main devices that are commonly used, Sky Echo Pilot Aware uh, here in the UK. The UK Airprox Board says it is in the process of finalising its annual report which is likely to highlight this incompatibility issue and its effects on situational awareness for pilots flying in Class G airspace. It's possible, I mean, neither pilot in this case uh, remembered seeing the alert on their screen. That's not to say that there wasn't an alert on their screen. We know when we're in the circuit, it's busy. We're trying to assimilate information and make our correct join. It's possible we don't see the alerts on the screen or even hear them. We, we block them out. Personally, though, I think it would be just great. <laughs> we don't live in a utopia, sadly, but it would be great if all on uh, the conspicuity devices could see and talk to each other. It would certainly, I think, increase the chances of pilots detecting a potential conflict before it arises. As I say, though, in, in a busy circuit, would you see it? And actually, do you know what? In a busy circuit, I would be concentrating so much more on looking out and listening um, rather than looking at my screen. But uh, as I say, nonetheless, uh, you know, some compatibility would be a bonus, a win, I think, for general aviation. Finally for today, the biggest cause of pilot in-flight impairment. Now, I used to like eating mussels, you know, the, the, uh, the seafood. I used to get on with them very well, in fact. 
until I ate them one day, having flown myself to La Rochelle in France. Not long after my meal in the sun by the harbour, there was probably a pint of beer involved as well, a very nice setting. Um, yes, not long after eating these mussels, I began to feel very unwell. I was up all night. I'm going to spare you the details, don't worry. Uh, needless to say, I haven't eaten mussels since. Thankfully, on this occasion in La Rochelle, I wasn't due to fly straight back home that same day. But if I had, then the consequences of this could have been very severe. The symptoms came on extremely quickly and were very nasty. And they certainly would have impaired my ability to fly the aeroplane safely. Had I been flying the next day, I would have been unfit as well because I hadn't slept all night and I was dehydrated. Gastroenteritis is the most common cause of in-flight crew impairment and its potential impact on flight safety has led the CAA to publish a new safety leaflet containing some basic advice. It says that you should not act as crew on a flight for at least 48 hours after symptoms have passed and it suggests thoroughly washing hands after using the toilet before handling food or drink. Let's hope we all do that anyway. It does raise the issue of water quality as well in this leaflet, suggesting drinking bottled water in higher risk areas. That said, I mean, I'd even go so far as to say if you're sort of flying abroad anywhere, even France, and this is not to put France down in any way. I, I don't know about you, but I find when I go abroad and drink the tap water, I usually feel a bit unwell no matter where I've been because they just process the water slightly differently. So, yeah, we a lot of us go flying, don't we? And, and, and we go flying, we have lunch, we fly home. That's kind of the standard thing for private pilots in the, in the UK. And it's perhaps easy to overlook the dangers of eating contaminated food or eating higher risk food such as shellfish. You know, maybe it's possible to overlook washing your hands. I mean, I don't know, but... You know, when we think that most of us in GA fly single pilot, often on our own, um, we can't just recuse ourselves in flight of our flying responsibilities. We've got to get ourselves safely on the ground. So it is a serious problem. There's some more detailed guidance on the CAA website about avoiding gastroenteritis beyond washing your hands and you know, thinking about the water you're drinking. Um, the guidance suggests the kind of foods we might want to think about avoiding, and this list might surprise you. Now, of course, it has the, uh, the, 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 the shellfish, mollusks and oysters, and perhaps had I known this before then or even had a, a moment to think about it before uh, digging in, I would have avoided them um, because it seems obvious now. Uh, but also on the list, uh, cold meat and fish dishes in warm climates. Well, that's uh, possibly going to rule out a few dishes. Um, it warns about uh, food that is undercooked or not reheated thoroughly. So perhaps your, I don't know, rare steak might need to be reconsidered. Uh, salads even uh, need to be worried about, um, including rice and pasta salads and berries. Um, raw fruit and vegetables, it says. Uh, the guidance says that these should be washed and peeled if eaten raw. The guidance also says that foods that contain milk, cream or ice cream should be avoided. So do we have to forego our uh, ice cream on the prom at, uh, at the 2K in future? I don't know. Um, and it says, you know, watch out for any bottled or canned drink delivered with a broken seal. Tell you a story about that in a moment. And it also says avoid ice, freshly squeezed juices and fresh herbs, including in drinks. Yeah, broken seals on water bottles. Uh, James and I had a holiday in Thailand and we went to uh, a Thai island, island and uh, there was somebody selling 
bottled water. It's very hot out there. Drank the bottled water. It was only later that we saw in the in a corner of our eye they were refilling bottled water from a public tap and then selling it. Um, so yeah, even, you know, even if you're drinking bottled or canned water, just uh, have a look at the at the seal. So yeah, quite a long list of food and drinks to be avoided there, and perhaps some surprises for you on that list. Maybe if I'd heeded that advice to La Rochelle, I would have had a more pleasant trip. A search of gastroenteritis on the CAA website should help you find the guidance. Hopefully I haven't put you off your breakfast, lunch or dinner, and you'll be well enough to return for our next pilot briefing, which generally comes out on the second Sunday of every month. The pilot briefing podcast has been made in association with Astral Aviation Consulting. We work uh, together to come up with the content for these uh, podcasts. Check out their website for more safety resources, workshops and seminars. There's some good safety videos on there as well. The episode itself has been sponsored by AOPA UK, the leading membership association for pilots and aircraft owners. Remember to get your discount by checking in the show notes and uh, description. Please follow or subscribe to the podcast and to the channel so as not to miss the next instalment. Until then, I shall sign off by saying fly safely, my friends. Bye for now.